0: Shareable is part of C-Suite Radio. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Season 2 is going to be absolutely incredible. Because in Season 2, I have a co-host. Co-host, say hello. Hello! That's Caroline. She's now my co-host. So, season two of Shareable is going to be a little bit different. We're still talking about people and technology, but we're going to go a little bit deeper. A master class. So, grab your favorite pen.
1: And your favorite piece of paper.
0: And get ready to take some notes, because this
1: is Shareable.
0: Welcome back to Shareable. I'm your host, Jeff Gibbon, and I am here with my co-host...
2: Caroline, what up?
0: Yeah. Today is a super special episode because Probably. it's featuring one of my most favoritist people. And both of you on the line have to guess which one is it. But it's actually both of you. But we're bringing <laughs> back Deb Gabor uh, from season one. And today we're doing like a super cool, different kind of episode where you're about to actually listen in on a real life, no bullshit masterclass. We're calling it a mini MBA in Branding. Uh, so I have two people on the line with me, aside from Caroline. So that would be a total of four people here with you today. The other person on the line is Gregory Jumas. Did I say your last name right? I've always wondered you about
2: that. You absolutely did not. It's uh, Shit. It's Jumas? Jumas. Jumas. Just Jumas. Like, Jumes. Fumes.
0: Yes. like yes. how angry
2: he is at how you just mispronounced his name. <laughs>
0: We'll we'll fix this in post production. <laughs> we won't really. Okay, so Gregory Gregory Jones is here with Deb Gabor, and today we're going to do a mini MBA in branding. So that's who's on the line, and that's what we're going to do. So let's great, get right into it. So first of all, hello to guests. Guests, hello. 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 All right, awesome. Let's start with you, Greg. Tell us about who you are and what you're all about.
2: Yeah. So uh, my name is Greg Jooms. I am a first-time entrepreneur. And I, more importantly and more excitingly, if that's a real word, uh, four years in the Marine Corps as an infantryman, deployed to Iraq 2007 to 2008. Got out, had a horrible transition uh, in 2010, leaving the Marine Corps. Drugs, alcohol, divorce, uh, just fucking up my life completely. So I decided to go back to war as a private military contractor for four years, uh, deploying throughout Afghanistan, Iraq, and Kuwait, living in caves, tents, getting shot at, getting blown up, all sorts of things. And now I have decided to start a tech company here in uh, Chicago that helps military veterans transition out of the military and find happiness in their life after service.
0: Hard act to follow, but... Uh-huh. <laughs> oh gosh, wow. You
1: sure? make it sound really dangerous. Um, and I guess entrepreneurship is a little bit like your military experience. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you've experienced that. Um, I'll say my life is not nearly as exciting as a brand dominatrix and investor pitch whisperer and the CEO of a brand strategy outfit called Soul Marketing. But more importantly, I am the author of this really, really kick ass book called Branding is Sex. Get your customer laid. Sell the hell out of anything.
0: I have read the book and it is phenomenal. One, Deb, thank you for the copy of the book. I loved it, and I've given out a copy to other people and recommended it. And for those of you listening, I strongly recommend that you read it. It's a really kick-ass book. So now is the point where Caroline and I are going to kind of step back and just let you two have at it. But where I want to make sure that we start out with this before I let you get into the the really deep. Heavy parts of this and the the hands-on stuff is, Deb, I want you to start out by, by talking a little bit about what people get wrong about the idea of brand, because there's a lot of misconception out there. People think of brand as like your logo or your tagline, and after reading your book and spending enough time talking with you about it, that is just the tip of the tip of the tip of the iceberg, and there's so much more to talk about there. So I want you to start with that before you go into talking with Greg about his brand, and, and going through that entire process that you do.
1: Absolutely. So uh, Jeff is exactly right that a lot of people get a lot about brand messed up, particularly when they look at brand specifically as the way you show up in the marketplace. That is the very, very tip of the iceberg or the tip of other things if we're going to continue with the sex metaphor. Um, Your brand is more than just how you look or how you talk or how you sound or what kind of colors you use, what kind of imagery, what kind of words you use. Your brand really is sort of the core dna of your organization it's something that's inclusive of both your internal workings of your company so the way you deliver on your promise to the way you operate, to how all of your employees show up and how they engage in the relationship that they have with customers. But more importantly, it's also encompassing of your customers and their relationship with you. So I always say brand or be branded. Your brand doesn't exist without your customers. And the branding methodology that we use is really designed to give customers, the people who are using your brand, who are consuming your brand, a seat at the table in forming the identity of the brand. And so at its core, the brand has two parts to the construct. The first is the identity. That's the part that you control. And today in this little mini masterclass that we're going to do on branding, we're going to help Greg Really dial in what is his brand identity, but we're going to bring the customer into that because the second part of that brand construct is the brand image. And the brand image is the part of it that you don't control. It's really how your audience perceives you, how they relate to you, and how you sort of infiltrate their hearts and minds. So we're going to be putting both of those pieces together when we work on really the strategic underpinnings of the brand. Now, hopefully, when we're done with this experiment and this little mini MBA masterclass in branding, Greg will have what he needs to form a great brand narrative so he can go out and maybe update his sales language to his customers, update his website, go and inform a creative director if he wants to augment or create a visual identity for his brand. He wants to build a website, make some marketing collateral, do some sales proposals. Really, this is designed to be the stuff you do before you do any of that stuff. Now, that's not to say that companies who have already gone through the visual branding process and have built a website and maybe made a logo and and done some sales, maybe done some advertising. It's not to say that those organizations who have already started to pursue those creative things can't use them, but this is a way to kind of go back. If you've already kind of put the cart before the horse, you can go back and validate that. Or augment that by going and establishing sort of the strategic foundation for your brand and really getting that brand positioning and messaging right. So that's what that's kind of the introduction to branding right there. Jeff do you want me to talk a little bit about how branding is like sex or do you want that to just unfold on its own?
0: I don't think there's anybody that would hear you say that branding is like sex and not want to know a little bit about it but before you go there I want Greg to talk a little bit about the brand that he has currently. And one of the reasons why, you know, I had reached out to Greg. Uh, Greg and I met on uh, the WeWork network, and he was looking for some help in strategy and uh, social media. He had just entered the Creator Awards at WeWork and actually is a winner of the Creator Awards for the work that he's doing. And I thought it would be really important for him to make sure that he tells his brand story. So before we even go through putting him through those processes, I'd love to hear Greg tell us and, and have people who are listening hear what the brand sounds like right now.
2: Yeah. So, um, so to me, the uh, the brand is is a representation of of who I am and who I become in my adult life. Uh, when I grew, like when I was a kid, I was uh, very quiet. I always listened. I wasn't really the person that you would think would be who I am today. i really kind of uh, set myself up to just be a listener and then execute after I have all the information that I want. And over the past, I would say, 10, 11 years, I've been building my own personal brand by being unconventional in damn near everything that I fucking do, uh, whether it's going to the military and the work that I did in there, to all the stuff that I've put myself through and learning hardships and how to overcome them, to wearing a Hawaiian shirt uh, while being on a mobile security patrol in Helmand, Provine, Helmand Province, Afghanistan, everything that I've done is more of an unconventional way of going about things, whether it's being a veteran, being an adult male in America. I try to try to set a new tone for people. So I think my brand and my company is that we are very unconventional with the way that we go about things. We have set ourselves apart from every other veteran service organization the way they conduct business uh, because we focused on being a for-profit entity and not the standard, hey, we're a nonprofit and we're vets, so give us money and maybe we can do some good stuff. My brand is providing value on every facet humanly possible when dealing with uh, our c- potential customers and our users.
0: Awesome. So this is the point where uh, I want to make sure that anybody listening knows that from, from this point forward, we've got the story of where Greg came from, and that we've got Deb here with the, the entire idea of how to build a brand and, and teaching us this mini MBA. We're going to start with, with Deb talking about the idea that branding is sex. And then from here on out, everything that you hear from this point forward is going to be something you want to take notes for. So I just want to give you a second to collect a piece of paper, grab a pen, because if you put yourself through this same process that Deb's going to be going through with Greg, trust me, your brand will be better off, your company will be better off, and you'll be thankful that you listened to this episode. So without further ado, tell us why branding is sex, take it away, and go through step by step with Greg on What's Up.
1: All right. So branding is sex is a metaphor. Branding really isn't sex, but branding is kind of like sex and it's not about being sexy. So I've been doing some form of brand strategy or marketing literally for my entire adult life, which is too long for me to share on this podcast or really anywhere. Um, so <laughs> Really where this comes from is the idea that the best brands in the world are the ones that can give their customers the feeling of a toe-curling, mind-blowing orgasm. And what I mean by that is the idea that the brands we choose say something about us as people, and they elevate our self-concept. They make us feel better about ourselves. They make us feel like we have the world on a string. We're sitting on top of the world. Whatever cliche you want to use... What we choose, whether it's in a B two B scenario or it's in a B two C scenario, so the consumer product products that we buy, what we wear, what we drink, what we eat, uh, what we drink, what we drive, all of those things are sort of part of the process of elevating our own self concepts. It's also true on the B two B side. So you know, let's say you're somebody who's selling computer hardware to IT people inside of, of retailers uh, across the world or whatever, those people who are making those buying decisions for the stuff that they buy at work are also looking to elevate their self-concept. So branding is something that spans both consumer categories as well as B2B categories. And the choices that we make, they're not necessarily entirely cognitive. This is the most important thing to realize about this. So all brands should strive for this condition that I describe as irrational loyalty. And what irrational loyalty is, is this idea that you could choose anything, you could buy anything that really has the same functional benefits as anything else. Um, I always use the example of cell phones, for instance, or mobile phones. You know, a a Samsung Galaxy S, whatever number we're up to, the iPhone and the Google phone, they all have basically the same functionality. They also deliver similar emotional benefits in terms of how they make us feel. They make us feel connected. They make us feel cool. They also make make us feel accomplished. They maybe make us feel smart for making a particular purchase decision. However, you can argue that a Google phone and an iPhone and a Samsung phone, they're not all the same because they are branded differently. And so Really, the idea of irrational loyalty is this idea that you would buy a product and you would buy it again and again and again from that same brand even though you know in your cognitive mind that there are other things that perform at parity or perform better, yet you would feel like you were cheating on the brand if you were to buy something else. So I'm irrationally loyal to the iPhone. I only buy eye thingies. I know that there's other product out there that I can get that's less expensive, that's higher performance, that's more durable, that's more available, um, that's at a better cost. Yet I feel so strongly about what my choice of technology products says about me, that I'm irrationally loyal to that brand. So that's what we mean by irrational loyalty. That irrational loyalty, when you have ascended to that level as a brand of achieving irrational loyalty, you have lots and lots and lots of customers that you're getting laid. And you're getting them laid through helping them elevate their self-concept to the point that they have swagger, that they feel awesome about themselves, that they're totally self-actualized if only for the moment that they're using your product or your brand. But the idea is that they have the feeling that they want to grab the closest attractive person to them or a person that they love and take a roll in the hay with them. Does that make sense to everybody here on this call? Yep.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Okay, great. So that's how branding is like sex.
0: Um, okay, so what's next is I want you to take Greg – I want you to go through his brand. I want you to, to take him through the uh, the mini MBA of branding and actually break down the Victor app and work with Greg on, on how to look at his brand, how to think about his brand, how to do the work of finding, uh, for instance, things about his ideal customer and – how to inspire some of that irrational loyalty, and how to get his customers laid.
1: Awesome. That's exactly what we're going to do. So the first thing I want to do, Greg, is have you just very briefly in 60 seconds or less talk to us about the Victor app, just whatever elevator pitch you normally use, and just kind of give us the baseline, and then we'll take it from there. And then I'll explain to you step-by-step what we're going to do.
2: Sure. Uh, so uh, we brand ourselves as the direct link between business organizations and the military, the new military community through uh, through technology. So um, yeah, I mean, it's really a, a one or two sentences. We're the direct link through technology of the new v- veteran community and businesses and organizations that are looking to hire and access them for goods and services.
1: Awesome. So what I want to do is just unpack that a little bit. I hate to use that word unpack. I used to, there was this consultant that I used to work with and she used that word unpack and it make me crazy, but I can't think of another word for it. I'd like to unpack that. So I'm going to use that and I'm sorry if you're <laughs> out there and you're listening. I, I hated when you use it and I hate it when I use it, but I'm going to use it anyway. Can I make a suggestion?
0: Um, yeah. Uh, you should use unwrap because you're using branding as sex and you would unwrap, you know,
1: how about unfrock or,
0: or undress, undress, <laughs> undress. You should use, undress. we're going to undress
1: that. We're yes. going to undress that. We're going to unfrock that. Or Jeff, you know, we've discussed unfucking it. Um, but that that's what too. the entire process is. We're going to unfuck your brand. Do um, not. but anyway, we're going to unfrock, undress your brand, if you will. So, um, let me just ask you briefly, uh, wh- why do you exist?
2: As a human being?
1: No, not you as a human being. The Victor <laughs> app, a... like, why does Victor exist? So, you know, really, the the more specific question there is is very briefly, what is the problem that you solve?
2: The problem that I solve is the major gap uh, in, in services and support of transitioning service members and their families.
1: Okay, and so give me a vision for what the world looks like when that problem is solved.
2: Uh, that problem will be solved uh, where, where veterans and transitioning service members and their families have a clear path to success uh, upon leaving the military.
1: So when you guys are successful, when Victor is successful, I want you to fill in the blanks of this statement. Every blank will be able to do blank. Uh,
2: every user will be able to f- find success.
1: Okay. So that's a little bit generic. I want to go yeah. a little bit deeper than that. So, so let's break down user. Let's undress the notion <laughs> of user and, and talk a little bit about, you know, when you say user, who, who is the user?
2: The user is a veteran, active duty service member, uh, spouse or dependent, or a in, in invitee to our platform who is a civilian uh, who has supported a verified veterans transition or military service.
1: Okay, so would it be safe to say that it's somebody who is sort of self-selected into our military community? Correct. Is that okay? All right. So that might be a shorter way to say that. So, so continuing with this idea of when Victor is successful, every every member of the every every person who identifies themselves as a member of our military community will be able to do blank. What will they be able to do?
2: They'll be able to navigate their life after service through job opportunities, community engagement, um, in finance, uh, financial stability, and uh, health and wellness per, um, services.
1: So you just got right there the first lesson in branding, which is about positioning and category definition. So did you see what I did there that I sort of turned the way you talk about what you do into something first that's really specific? but secondly, something that is really about your core purpose as an organization.
2: Yes, I totally see that.
1: Okay. All right. So that's kind of the first step in branding. The idea there is really to establish what category are you in? This is kind of the product positioning part of the exercise. What category are you in through the eyes of your customer? Often with positioning, we want to talk about ourselves in terms of what it is we do. So like if I came to the table and I said, hey, I'm Deb, I'm a brand strategist, I do brand strategy, market research, marketing services, scalable digital content, blah, 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 you're going to glaze over, right? You are not mm-hmm. interested in hearing any more from me. I haven't said anything about either the problem that I solve, the people that I solve it for, or a vision for what the world looks like when it's solved and why I do it. But if I come to the table and I say, listen, Greg, you know what? I am born to brand. I am compelled to brand. I can't not do it. Everything I do every day in my job, really in my life is about helping other entrepreneurs like you get the success that you want out of business by helping you connect better with your customers. It's going to raise your eyebrows and you're going to be interested in hearing more about how I do that. So, so that positioning part of the exercise. The shortcut for this, and so if you're listening at home, this is a note that you want to take. The shortcut for this is to establish the category that you're in through the eyes and the consideration of your customers by asking this question. When this company, insert company name here, is successful, every blank will be able to do blank. And what we did with Greg here was I didn't let him just stay on every veteran or member of a veteran's family will be successful, right? It's way too general. So the exercise is really about finding the specificity. So, Greg, do you have any questions about that?
2: Oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense.
1: All right, awesome. So one of the things that you said when uh, when, when you described what it is you, you do is that you make connections between business organizations and this really worthwhile audience, right?
2: Correct. Absolutely.
1: And since you're building an app, you really have – you have kind of a complex scenario in that you have a business-to-business play, and then you also have a business-to-consumer play. Correct. And for purposes of this exercise, and really for anybody who's building an an app like this where you're connecting businesses to consumers through some kind of technology enablement – you know, it's a chicken and egg scenario, right? In order for you to be successful, like, what's your, what's your go-to-market strategy and what's your order of operations? That will help us identify, like, what audience do we need to focus on as a higher priority?
2: So right off the bat, I can tell you the highest priority is accessing the small to medium-sized businesses and enterprises that are our paying customers. The users, uh, to, to onboard the users, like you said, it's the chicken and the egg type scenario where... We don't have a reason for the users to be on the platform if there's nothing for them to utilize or search for or um, be hired by. So the main focus is getting the brand to where we're the most attractive entity for the services that we provide to the businesses um, who are paying us money. The veterans are easy. They're within my network. They're, um, I'm a part of many Hundred thousand plus uh, secret groups and stuff that that we can advertise to, you and and we have I have the trust of that of those individuals, but it's like I said, it's the businesses that is the biggest hurdle in positioning ourselves to be the most attractive, um, sexy device.
1: Right on. So that totally makes sense, and and that's true of most businesses like this. You know, it's. Uh, it's tempting to want to build the brand first for consumers, right? And focus all of your energy on going out and getting users. But you're going to create a broken brand promise for them if you focus too hard on going out and getting users for your app. If you don't have the content on the app that can deliver on the promise that you're making to users. So I think 100% you're exactly right. You know, focusing on these business organizations who are actually the paying customers. And so this is, you know, this is another thing. This is another area where, where I've seen brand. Get it wrong, where they're putting the cart before the horse. You have to focus on both, of course. But if you want to build a sustainable business, you need to focus first on the audience, where the money is coming from, and then the rest is going to follow. That's also true. Um, Greg, are you are you trying to raise money? I know that you were an award winner in in the uh, in the WeWork thing, but are you also trying to raise yep. money from outside investors?
2: Yes, we're doing a raise right now.
1: Okay, great. So when you're out there pitching investors, it's going to be really important that you have a very cogent story, specifically for the revenue that's going to support your business model. So um, I support the decision to focus first on business organizations. So that said, you know we did step one, which is really identifying like what is the category that we're in, you know, really through the eyes of customers. So. Um, The interesting part of this story for you is that we established that, you know, when you are successful, every member of our military and veteran community will be able to get these connections. Um, We need businesses as part of that conversation. Is that the category that businesses will see you guys through? How do you mean? So so what category would those business customers consider uh, Victor to be in?
2: Uh, advertising and marketing. We are essentially an advertising platform.
1: Okay. So you're an advertising platform. You're for advertising and marketing. How do you dial that in more specifically so that you can communicate that? I mean, obviously, you've been involved in a bunch of sales conversations already. But how do you, how do you dial that in when you go out and you talk to these businesses about being an advertising and marketing engine for them?
2: Uh, well, I've, we focus mainly on the fact that the, the lifetime value of our customers is higher, is greater than that of the everyday consumer based on the loyalty that the military um, kind of instills in you. We're used to going to certain organizations and certain establishments for specific services and we don't go anywhere else because why would we? Um, the brand loyalty is very, very strong with us and that's why one, this call is very important because we need to build that brand so that we are the one-stop shop for our users to access local businesses and organizations.
1: Ah, there you go. So, so you know, when you narrow that down and you think about the category that you're in, you're an advertising and marketing solution for businesses to connect with these highly loyal military audiences. That Correct. is the category that you're in. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, category definition, you know, I would say if you're writing if you're writing notes at home, that's this is something that you want to take a note on. So really, really narrowing the focus of the category from the point of view of the customer. So we started broad with like, what is Victor? You know, Victor, we answer the question of, when Victor is successful, every blank will be able to do blank. Then we narrowed the field to the audience that we're focusing on for purposes of this exercise so that we can really build the brand is this business audience first. And we narrowed the field to what category do they consider Victor in. So it's an advertising and marketing solution. The second step here is really to identify, okay, so if we're an advertising and marketing solution that's going to help them get access to this military and veteran community, what are their other options? Like what are their other alternatives? And I'm not talking about just direct competitors, but also conceptual competitors. So, you know, who else is in this category with you from their point of view, not from your point of view?
2: From their point of view, it would be simple services like LinkedIn, Indeed, Monster.com, Facebook advertising, um, very, very broad and vague uh, uh, tools. And we brand ourselves as being a very, very niche, very specific, uh, targeted audience. Kind of like, you know, there's so many dating apps that there's like Christian, Christians meet, uh, Jewish people meet, blacks meet, everything's like super narrowed now because, Why would you spend your advertising dollars going after a big wide audience when you can go directly to where your audience lies?
1: Okay, great. That totally makes sense. So one of the things that you did there that I I think is really great and sort of an advanced skill that is not just identifying what are the alternatives, but also identifying how do you differentiate. So, So that was really great. Greg kind of skipped a step. And so folks who are following along at home, that's what you want to make note of. The next step would be after you identify what are the alternatives, you know, what competes for hearts and minds in that particular category among customers. How are you similar or different? And so, Greg, you made a a good acknowledgement of that. So now Mm -hmm. what I want to do is talk about something called the ideal customer profile or the ideal customer archetype. So the ideal customer archetype is a tool that we use in branding to bring focus to the brand. So you build the brand. For the singular customer who would be most highly predictive of your success, we know that realistically there is not one customer for your brand, but there's an ideal archetypal customer for your brand that if if you would find like maybe five or six of these – you would never have to go any further because they would be the most loyal, they would be the most pleasurable to serve, they would be the most profitable, um, they would have the highest lifetime value for you. Um, they don't exist in nature, if they do they maybe make up a very very small percentage of your business, but you'll know them when you see them. The idea of the ideal customer archetype is to really document sort of what is our dream customer, who are we building this brand for? So. Taking what we've done already in terms of identifying this business audience, this business organization audience who wants to connect with our our military service families – Um, for all of these various services, we want to create a profile of who they are. And so there's a couple different ways that we do this. If you're doing this at home or you're doing this at your company, you know, one of the things that you can do, I sometimes have clients, I say, grab a piece of paper and some markers, and I want you to draw this person. So let's say you're you're a company that's marketing to uh, busy moms, for instance, and you want to really dial in which busy mom this is. And we know that there are like millions and millions and millions of busy moms. And so just Saying busy moms is not specific enough. But if you want the busy mom who's like the hip connected influencer of her group, maybe you draw her. She has really, really big ears and she has a gigantic pocketbook that has. Everything coming out of it, including like a map of the area and a list of all of the funniest things to do. And, you know, a selection of the the best, most delicious food that every kid will eat. And she's wearing designer jeans, et cetera, et cetera. The idea is to like really dial it in so that when you close your eyes as a business leader, you can picture who this customer is. So you can draw it. You can make a list. You can make it out of paper mache. You can mold it out of clay, however you want to do it. There's a bunch of different ways to do it. But with you, Greg, what I want to do is just have you sort of talk about it stream of consciousness. So so the question, the actual question that I'm asking is who is the single customer, the unicorn customer who is most highly predictive – of Victor's success. And again, we're talking about the business organization. And this goes beyond just demographics or firmographics. This goes to behaviors, attitudes, psychographics, values, beliefs, et cetera.
2: So uh, my ideal customer is someone within an organization who is in charge of recruiting, hiring, marketing, um, prior military service, or A family member who's been in the military who understands the the trials and tribulations that come along with being a military veteran they are a little bit the the age I've noticed it doesn't really it doesn't really have a play in it the biggest most important piece is finding people at these organizations that have an affiliation with the military and that has been and it sounds stupid or unreal but it's literally been just a, a handshake right after that it's It's open. It's being welcomed with open arms. It's, oh, my God, I wish my husband had this. Oh, my God, I wish my son had this. I wish I had this when I got out. It's the ideal customer is a veteran who is either serving at that organization or they're affiliated with a veteran within their their nuclear family.
1: So that's great. Tell me a little bit about the values and beliefs of that person, because not every organization, not every company who's going through this branding exercise is going to have as clear a target as that or as clear a picture. Like for you, you can hone in. You can be like, yes, I'm going for the person who either is a veteran or knows and loves a veteran, and I can go directly to that person. It's sometimes not as clear for other other types of brands. Yep. So, what those brands want to do is align very closely with the values and beliefs of those people that align with the brand that they're trying to create. So, so just for purposes of this exercise, so we can mm-hmm. show everybody else what's going on in a fishbowl here. What are some of those values and beliefs?
2: Uh, family is a, is a very big one. Um, I would say I would say religion definitely did. De- does come into play. I've seen a lot of the Christian and, and Catholic groups that are very supportive of the military. So finding people within organizations that believe in a family unit is very, very strong. Um, but also finding people that have an idea of, of a similar type of um, experience of transitioning from whether they went to college, um, whether they uh, moved to a new city. Everybody that I've noticed, there's ways to kind of manipulate the conversation into finding that sweet spot that someone identifies with. Whether they went to college, that you probably have experienced moving to a new city. So, how I can inter- in, interject my business into that fear and isolation and loneliness of of transitioning out of the military to a new city? It's I, I've, I've in my experiences, I've kind of honed in on the ability to kind of play the intelligence piece, and like I said, aligning myself with something that. I can assume through my investigation into this organization or, or person something that uh, resonates with them.
1: So, one of the things that I'm hearing from you is is this idea that a lot of the a lot of the selling, at least initially, a lot of the contact has been directly from you to another human being, right? Yes. Okay, so I'm going to say Victor's going to get really big, and that's not going to be scalable long term. And that's why you need a brand. And that's why you need to be able to bottle up those values and beliefs and take them and trickle them through the entire Victor brand so that everyone who becomes part of the Victor brand, whether it's an employee, a contractor, a vendor, um, or, or a brand that is using you, you know, sort of as a conduit to get to this audience, is able to embody the spirit and those values and beliefs of the brand. That's really sort of bottling up kind of the founder spirit and the ability to make those connections on the basis of values and beliefs into the brand is what makes companies scalable, right? And so this is the reason that that we're doing this. So I, I love that there's so much of you in the brand and that you've had this experience firsthand by selling into these organizations and you know it when you see it. We're going through this exercise at exactly the right time for you because we're going to take it. And you know, the, the metaphor I used is bottling it up. We're going to take, it, we're going to bottle it up and we're going to express it back out through the brand so that this business will scale and it will not always be attached to you, Greg. Right. Yes. Right. Okay. All right. Perfect. So, you know, we're building we're, we're sort of building this i it, it's like a pyramid we're building a pyramid marketing loves pyramid social psychi- psychology anthropology like it, economics like we all love this pyramid construct I want to take you through the brand values pyramid so in order to do that I want to backtrack a little bit and just see um what it what did you what did you study in school and what was your favorite subject
2: ooh uh so. <laughs> Probably gym class, uh, but I really like I, I really liked his I really like history and uh, social um, social studies.
1: Oh social studies. all right, cool. So do you remember from social studies? Um, do, do you remember do you remember Maslow? No. No, you didn't study Maslow in social studies. I, I remember we studied him. we probably studied him in social studies or maybe in a high school psych class or psych 101 in college. but Maslow, um, you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs?
2: Uh I've heard it. I do I yeah. So I didn't go to college. I have high school social studies. So just Yeah, so.
1: so so this may or may not have been something that you covered in high school social studies. You don't you don't have to go to college to, to know Maslow, but I'll give you I'll hit the high notes for you. So so Maslow's hierarchy of needs goes like this. It's shaped like a pyramid and, and the reason that things are shaped like a pyramid, you know, they're they're broad at the base and they're narrow at the top. You can't have things at the top without having the base. And what Maslow's hierarchy of needs really says this. First, you have to satisfy basic human physiological needs before you can deal with anything else. Like you have experience in the military. You have seen this and lived this firsthand. So basic physiological needs are things like food, water, shelter, air – right? The very, very basics for human survival, right? So that's sort of at the base of Maslow's hierarchy. Once you have satisfied those basic needs, the challenges of everyday living, then you can start to satisfy a person's needs for belongingness through relationships and build their self-esteem. Are you familiar with the concept of self-actualization? No. No. No, it's okay if you're not. So what Maslow says is self-actualization is this state that humans get into when they are at their most creative, they are at their, at their most moral, they're at their most excited, most elated, they feel the best, they're pretty much they're orgasmic right this is that mm-hmm. feeling of like when you close your eyes and you think about the last toe curling mind blowing orgasm you had you know you're probably pretty close to the state of self actualization you you can't feel that state of euphoria yeah. Unless you've satisfied all of the other needs before it. And so all of the other sort of basic physiological needs, food, water, shelter, air, you know, some of those emotional needs like belongingness and and feeling good about yourself. So just basic self-esteem before you can really feel like you want to take a roll in the hay with somebody else. Right. And that you can achieve things that are beyond anything that you ever expected for yourself. That's Maslow's hierarchy. And he, you know, he was a, he, I think he was a sociologist or a psychologist or whatever. Maslow actually was a marketer. We use a pyramid very similar to this in brands. And we call it the brand values pyramid. And we're going to kind of create a brand values pyramid for what you're doing. And so let me give you an example of how this works in a category that maybe um, you're already familiar with. you said that your favorite class in high school might have been gym class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite brand of athletic shoes that you like to wear?
2: Oh um, no, I'm not really loyal to a specific brand when it comes to shoes. If it looks cool and it's comfortable, I'm pretty <laughs> I good. am. Or, oh, fairies. yes,
1: yeah. Jeff is. I <laughs> knew you were going to jump in on that. So I'm let's very,
0: be- very loyal. <laughs>
1: He, he might be irrationally loyal to a particular brand of shoes, and Jeff and I have talked about this at length. Um, and one day I saw him cheating on his brand, which was really, really interesting to me. But, Jeff, tell us briefly about your shoes.
0: I have been irrationally loyal to Puma for the better part of a decade. And I very recently, as you pointed out, I have been cheating on them. And, and like, the, the cheating has gotten to an egregious point. Um, that I'm I'm not ashamed of anymore. I am I think I'm an Adidas convert because I've been wearing the Adidas NMDs with the Boost technology, and it feels like I'm walking on clouds and being hugged by pandas.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Walking on clouds and being hugged by pandas. So that is how the Puma, or I'm sorry, the Adidas brand helps. Jeff feel self-actualized, but just to kind of walk through the brand values pyramid construct for, for athletic shoes, just really, really briefly, you know, since Jeff, since formerly you, you were a Puma guy and now you're an Adidas guy, like in order to be considered an athletic shoe, like what are the basic characteristics it needs to have?
0: Oh, God. Uh, it, I think first and foremost, if I look back in my history of wearing sneakers, they need to make me feel like I'm an athlete. And I don't, I'm, not, I'm honestly not trying to, like, serve that up as, like, the, uh, the, the, what I think the brand-appropriate response is. But I think every sneaker that I've ever wanted to wear has been worn by another athlete or looks like it would make me faster or looks like it would make me jump better. Uh, I'm sure there's something in the technology behind all of that. But for me, it, it has always kind of come down to what did it looked like and what did I feel like wearing it? I even remember sure. actually interesting story just to go back to like my my super young childhood. I remember when I used to go sneaker shopping with my parents and I was like three or four years old, I would test out the sneakers by putting them on and running as fast as I could through the sneaker store. And and I would decide on the sneakers I wanted by the ones that I in my head thought made me run the fastest.
1: Absolutely. So baseline requirements for the purchase of athletic shoes are A, they need to be athletic and they they need to suggest that they're athletic, right? They also need to have things like they need to have, you know, some kind of soft bottom. They need to have, you know, cushioning and comfort. They need to make you faster. They need to have a way to lace up. They, you know, they need to be, um, you have to be able to clean them. You have to be able, you know, they have to be lightweight, et cetera, et cetera. These are the baseline requirements. What are some the bells and whistles that you have found about these uh, adidas sneakers like just some of the emotional benefits to wearing adidas the basic uh, emotional benefits
0: well i I will say that one the nmds in particular its particular uh, style of the adidas are like a real conversation piece amongst sneaker lovers so i i will be honest as somebody who wears bright red sneakers everywhere my sneakers are intended to be a conversation piece so wearing triple red, uh, NMDs are like any sneakerhead's going to come up to me like, you have amazing sneakers. So that's one piece of it.
1: Okay. So it's something, it has to give you bragging rights.
0: Yeah. For me, like I use my sneakers as a little bit of like a calling card. Like people know that I walk around in these bright red sneakers. So for me, it's always been like an identity thing. Um, and like kind of a calling card, similar to my, my LinkedIn headline, everything. I, I try to stand out a little bit with them. Um, but in terms of there's kind of like the practical and then there's the emotional, right? On the practical side, they're just damn comfy. On the emotional mm-hmm. side, it's that they stick out and I can talk about them with people.
1: Right. Great. Okay. So back to Maslow's hierarchy, though you know, that's sort of satisfying those emotional needs. They make you feel comfortable, they make you they give you bragging rights, they help you stand out, right? Those are some emotional things. Now, the stuff that's at the bottom of the pyramid, the stuff that's in the middle of the pyramid, so like the basic physiological needs for the sneaker. Category like in order to be considered a sneaker, those are the things that every sneaker needs to have. The stuff that's in the middle part of the pyramid, which are sort of like Maslow's emotional and esteem needs, affiliation needs, are these emotional benefits. Is it safe to say, Jeff, that there are other sneakers that are comfy?
0: Probably. I mean, I don't know for certain. I can only. The
1: answer is yes. Just yeah, it yes. probably <laughs> is. It's yes, right? Okay. It's, I don't right. know. i have been wearing the same
0: two there... sneakers for a decade.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then, um, are there other are there other sneakers that can imitate the benefit of standing out and getting attention? You they know, may not
0: probably. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna go with yes.
1: Yes. Okay. So the answer always is yes. That's like that's the lesson in this. The answer is yes to the stuff in the middle of the pyramid. So, the brands. So really, this is this is the idea, the stuff at the bottom of the pyramid in order to be considered an X, whatever X is, an X can be sneakers, it can be canned soup, it can be an automobile, it can be an advertising and marketing service or platform that is specific to military audiences. This is the stuff the ante to get into the game. This is the stuff that everybody has to have in order to be considered a that, whatever that is. The stuff in the middle of the pyramid are bells and whistles. And what I mean by bells and whistles, these are options. These are, these are emotional benefits, these are practical, functional benefits. These are things that may be, they may be interesting, they may be intriguing, but these are things that other brands can imitate. Brands that don't do well in brand strategy and really standing out and creating a sustainably differentiated brand that's going to have a legacy are the ones that don't get above the middle tier of the pyramid. These are the brands that want to differentiate themselves on the basis of anything that ends – that's an adjective that ends in the letters E-R. Faster, better, slimmer, uh, bigger, smaller, thinner, lighter – or anything that ends in ITY. I call these the ers or the itties. So ities are reliability, availability, scalability, manageability, flexibility, itty, 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 itty. Anything so so these are the things that allow you to compare your stuff to other people's brands, but they're not necessarily uniquely ownable by you. If you are a brand and you are building a brand, it is your job to get up above that middle tier of the pyramid to the stuff at the top of the pyramid. And the stuff at the top of the pyramid is the most important thing. The stuff at the top of the pyramid, back to Jeff Gibbard's red shoes, the stuff at the top of the pyramid is the stuff that makes an Adidas shoe, not a Nike, and not a Puma, even though the emotional and functional benefits below them are not necessarily differentiated. What's at the top of the pyramid is what it says about a person that they've made that choice. And so this is not just true of consumer brands. This is also true of B2B brands. But what's at the top of the pyramid are the values and beliefs and attitudes of the person who's using it. So case in point, what does it say about you, Jeff Gibbard, that you are wearing Adidas gym shoes? What does it say about you to yourself and to other people?
0: It says that I – Good. that's a great question. I actually have no idea. I think it's just that I like the way that they look and I like talking to people about it. Or maybe it says, if I go deeper on that, that I like – Attention. <laughs> Maybe well, that's what it means. I'm not exactly the, sure. But
1: What does the Adidas brand stand for?
0: Uh, all day I dream about sex. Is that true or is that an urban legend? That is you know, an urban, urban legend
1: life. and that's something I remember from when I was like 10. Yeah. But yeah.
0: I'm not exactly sure. Um yeah, right, I, for
1: another podcast, another day, we're going to, like, go deep, deep inside the brain of Jeff Gibber and try to understand, like, what is his obsession with Adidas? But the Adidas brand, the, the Adidas brand is sort of, it's a challenger brand, right? It is a little bit, you know, it's sort of the scrappy underdog. Um, it It's the come from behind and turn your head around brand, right? And that's a little bit like who you are. You challenge the status quo. And so... The choice of the brands you use say something about you as a person. And so back to you, Greg, what I want to do is like really quickly go through that brand values pyramid for you. We'll spend most of our time at the top of the pyramid and then we'll like wrap this up in a tidy little container for you and then tell you what to do with it next.
2: Perfect. Perfect.
1: Alrighty, cool. So remember, we were talking about, you know, we're doing this, we're going to develop this brand values pyramid. We're going through this exercise, we are focused again on this business audience, like these business organizations, which you already talked about, the ideal customer within these business organizations are, you know, people who are sort of purpose driven, who have a relationship or experience with the military, at least share the values of of people who are involved with the military. So there's somebody who, you know, actually sort of understands and and supports this cause. That's your ideal customer. So thinking back to the category that you're in, which is you're an advertising and marketing platform that helps connect those kinds of businesses with our military and service community, our military and veteran community, what are the baseline requirements that a marketing and advertising platform are going to have to have in order to fulfill that need?
2: Uh, users, uh, a brand, influence, uh, and a purpose, I would say.
1: Okay. Um, what else? These are like these are the nuts and bolts things. These are the things that if we're talking about athletic shoes, these are the shoelaces.
0: Would it would things like uh, a self serve platform or um, you know widely available pricing or uh, a list of features that you get along with your advertisements? Would things like that be involved in this, Deb?
1: Yeah, those would be the kinds of things. Those are really okay. Yeah, the, we have that. Okay, so like rattle off a bunch of those. Rattle off a bunch of those features. These and these are the things that. If they weren't there, like if your brand were deficient in these things, people wouldn't even consider you. So these are, you know, these are not what you're going to market on. These are the things you just have to have. So what are those things?
2: Uh, an admin, an admin panel for our uh, our paying customers to be able to track the users that are coming and going, uh, to be able to identify them by demographic, be able to push notifications such as specials, deals, events, activities directly to certain demographics of users that are geolocated to their business um a career portal where recruiters can access our database through a licensing portal basically to be able to pull um uh can- potential candidates based on the match that they have to the customer's industry um you know admin panel job service event panel What about like ROI tracking
1: and Oh yeah, yeah
2: yes yes definitely ROI track R- ROI tracking in uh, in the, uh, regards of being able to see how many people are coming in at certain times of the day, how long they're staying, what they're spending, and uh, how, how many times they come back. So to be able to track that lifetime value of the customer is very valuable to us and uh, the partner.
1: Okay. Awesome. So the stuff at the bottom part of the pyramid, this is in order to be credibly considered to be an advertising and marketing platform. These are all the things that you need to have. The big lesson in this is nobody markets an automobile on the basis of we have tires. (laughs) True. Right? Right. And a lot of brands get stuck Especially early stage companies like yours, a lot of brands get stuck there and they just talk about like, this is what we do and this is what we have. And that's great, but again, you're trying to build a sustainable, long-term legacy brand that is going to exist beyond your involvement with the organization because you're not going to personally be able to sell every single customer Or get every user to download the app, right? And so you need to get up above those sort of things. So, you know, acknowledging the fact, you know, people at home write this down, you know, people don't market automobiles on the basis of we have tires, right? The next tier of the pyramid, these are sort of the bells and whistles or the options packages. I'm old enough to have purchased a car where power door locks, power windows, power steering were options packages that I paid extra for. I remember the first car that I bought on my own, I had to pay extra for those things. Some wise automobile manufacturer decided to make those things standard equipment. Now today, you pay extra if you want a hand crank. And I don't even know if they I don't even know if they offer that anymore. But as soon as somebody makes your option standard equipment, it becomes standard equipment. So this is really, really important. Automobile companies... Are often they are really, really trying to market themselves on the basis of power door locks, power windows, power steering. But, uh, you know, here's a lesson from my garage. I drive an Audi Q5, which is a midsize German SUV. My daughter drives a Volkswagen Tiguan, which is a mid mid-sized German SUV. They're virtually indistinguishable from each other from the outside, but they both have wheels. You know, they have a chassis, they have a steering wheel, they have, you know, they, they have power door locks, power windows, power steering, etc., both of them have Bluetooth. Both of them have um, a way that if I need to plug in my iPhone, I can. Both of them have sunroofs. Both of them have leather. Like the, the things that people can imitate are not sustainable differentiators. So today's options packages are tomorrow's standard equipment. That's why when we talk about what's in the middle of the pyramid, we talk about the emotional benefits. So going back, Greg, to Victor's customer who are these organizations and the person within the organization who, you know, has these sort of military connections and whatever, and this is an advertising and marketing platform that delivers, you know, all of the basic requirements, what are some of the emotional benefits that they get from using Victor?
2: Um, unlimited discount postings, unlimited uh, job posting opportunities, uh, the ability to boost their, uh, their business and make it be featured so they're allowed to pay and kind of like be able to upsell them the opportunity to make their business stand out amongst their competitors. Uh, the ability to pay an, uh, an increased fee to not allow any of their competitors on the platform.
1: Okay, so let's turn some of those things that, you know, you talked about them in terms of abilities, right? So the stuff in the middle of the pyramid is like, what do we enable people to do? So you you talked about what are some of maybe those advanced abilities? More importantly, what is what does that enable them to feel?
2: That's a good question.
1: Yeah, that's why we're doing
2: this. <laughs> what does it allow them to feel? It's so feel special?
1: Uh, (laughs) Let's be really specific. So you give them the ability to sort of like dial in their own marketing plan, right? If I'm understanding that, like dial in your own marketing plan um, and sort of like dial up or dial down your exposure based on your audience and what it is you're trying to achieve, right? You know, you can Mm -hmm. kind of create this custom thing. How does it make me feel as, as your customer that, that I can do that?
2: I would say it'd make you feel exclusive and part of a community, Um, not only to be supporting it but being able to have a tool that very few people have access to.
1: Oh, that's awesome. That's cool. So it gives you, you know, you're part of this unique community that, you know, knows something uh, that other people don't know. But also, does it maybe maybe make me feel in control?
2: Yes. Yes, that's good. Definitely in control. Yep. Does it... Go ahead. Now, yeah, you're definitely right with the in control part of it because when I pitch these businesses and they're like, "Well, we 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 hire on Indeed or we advertise on Yelp or or, or Groupon, but this is the ability to control your business and within the demographic which is kind of elusive up until this point."
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Um and you said something earlier, so it, it it makes me it makes me feel like like I'm in control. Also, I would think it does it make me maybe feel um like i'm one step ahead or i'm smart because i understand that uh military families are extremely loyal and that maybe i'm getting more efficiency for my marketing efforts by targeting this like really uh loyal high customer lifetime value demographic does it make me feel smart perhaps
2: yes i would definitely say yes
0: I would also yes. contribute maybe that it makes them feel patriotic. I mean if you think about who they're marketing to, they're mm-hmm. marketing to people that you know, have a background or some sort of a family connection to military. So for that reason, they should probably also have a sense that they could put their marketing dollars anywhere, but they're choosing to put it here because they feel like that's the right thing. To, that's the American thing to do is to give back to people that have served us.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, and that's great. So, so Greg, what we're doing here, it's really easy to like rattle off a bunch of advanced features and, you know, sort of technical differentiators, if you will, the magic of the middle part of the pyramid is to take those, what do you enable people to do? So like the, by being smaller, faster, more focused, more reliable, you know, all the itties and the ers and all that kind of stuff. Like what, what do all of those things enable people to feel? And so this is where, especially if we're involved in technology or if we're involved in something that is mechanical or that isn't, you know, isn't sort of on the surface, like squishy or touchy feely um, or, you know, a business to business offering, like what we're talking about here, this is where people get stuck. They get stuck in turning these functional benefits and functional differentiators and features into feelings. And right off the top of our head, um, it took a little brute force here. We came up with a couple of them, right, which were like, you know, in control and smarter and patriotic. And, and Greg and, and Jeff, there are probably like 10 more emotional benefits that we could come up with. But I always tell people that the key to unlocking the stuff in the middle of the pyramid is to first just make a list of all of those things that you think are options packages or you think are advanced features or you think are technical differentiators that make you stand out from the competition. Just like write them all down on a piece of paper, draw a line down the middle, and then for each of those different Features come up with a – a it enables people to do this, but more importantly in the next column, it enables people to feel this. The magic of branding is really tapping into those emotional connections because you know what? We Have Tires does not get customers laid, right? right. But making people feel smart and in control and patriotic, it sort of helps them ascend to that level of self-actualization that we were talking about, right? Mm-hmm. So the most important of the brand – and here's where we're really coming to the climax, no pun intended – is the part where we talk about how do we get customers laid. So the top of the brand values pyramid is really about – self-expressive benefits of the brand. What does it say about our ideal customer? So if you remember back, like, I don't know, 30 minutes ago, we talked about what's the profile of the singular archetypal customer that if we had, you know, like five of these, we would be wildly successful. So our, you know, our main, main, main customer we're creating this brand for. So this is about, what does it say about their, that person that they use this brand? And so this is where we get into those values, beliefs, attitudes. So branding is about, you know, finding the ideal customer and identifying what their values and beliefs are and then aligning our values, values and beliefs with theirs. That requires us to articulate those things. I have a shortcut for doing that, which are the three magic brand questions. And so to get at the stuff that's at the top of the brand pyramid, the stuff that makes a Mazda not a Cadillac and Adidas not Nike or Puma or what makes Facebook not Twitter is the essence of the answers to these three questions, which helps you get to the top of your brand values pyramid. So are you ready to answer those questions for me? I am ready. All right. So the first question is, I'll go through the the three questions real quick and then we can answer them one at a time and then I'll show you what to do with them. So the three questions are, first of all, what does it say about a person that they use this brand? What does it say about them? The second question is, what is the singular thing that that person gets from this brand that they can't get anywhere else. So this really speaks to meaningful differentiation. And and it's about singularity. And then the third question is, and this is the get laid question, everybody wants to be a hero in their own story. Our customers want to be a hero in their own story. How does this brand make our customer a hero in his or her own story? So those are the three questions. So let's go through the process of answering them in order. So first of all, Thinking about that ideal customer, what does it say about them that they use Victor as a marketing and advertising platform to get to our our military and service community?
2: Innovative and opportunistic. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's what does it say about a person who uses this brand? Somebody who, yeah, I mean, they're they're innovative. They're thinking outside of the box. They're unconventional. Okay,
1: I think I do think there needs to be, and and I generally don't give advice on this kind of stuff unless people are paying for it. And I guess this is a simulated paid situation here. But I would <laughs> say that, that you know because of what you do and the audience that you're doing it with, that there there does need to be some essence of patriotism in this as well.
0: Right.
2: Yeah. That goes without saying. Um, so yes. so
0: let me just quick interject here. When Greg and I first talked. It was really interesting because I sensed that he didn't want to use that as like a gimmick or a trick or anything. I think it's it's super important that we that we kind of like bring that to light. Is that that is an important component of it? But I think also just from my understanding of our conversations, Greg and I, that is that that's mm-hmm. not something that he wants to <laughs> lean on and make it all about like the rah-rah military brand of so, whatever. So, so just throwing that out there.
1: Okay, and and that is a concern, and and it is like that is completely legit. And so that's really, really important, but you cannot distance yourself from the core DNA of the brand. Right. right? And so there's a way to infuse this brand with patriotism without being all America. Fuck. Yeah. Okay. Right. And that is why we go through this exercise because I, I think it would be a miss to separate yourself from the patriotism completely versus owning a conversation of what does it really mean to be patriotic, I think that's an opportunity for you. And that's a big idea. Because everything that we've talked about in terms of the values and beliefs and your ideal customer, being people who understand and believe in and support the military, I think that that absolutely is part of the core DNA of your brand. It's part of the core DNA of who you are, Greg. Mm -hmm. And as a founder leader, you cannot leave that behind. But this is part of the unique kind of the the unique imprint of your brand is your point of view on what it means to be patriotic. What it means to be patriotic is to, you know, provide these connections and provide these services and honor this group of people for the value that they bring to the table. That's the whole reason you're building this brand. So I, I believe that the magic in casting this as a patriotic brand is not by waving flags and not be, not by being, you know, forgive me for being flippant about this by, but by being all America, fuck yeah about it. It is by being like, Military service people and their families are a huge part of our population and they are an extremely valuable and untapped audience where there's a lot of richness and there is loyalty far and above anything that you can find in any other audience. And it's it's patriotic to honor these people in this way. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, I think that this is magic for your brand and I think it would be a total miss to walk away from it. I don't know. What are your thoughts True. about that?
2: No, I, that makes a lot of sense. It's kind of just repurposing the um, the standard stereotype of being patriotic and giving an, a new opportunity to show your patriotism.
1: Right, right. And it's sort of like, what does patriotism really mean? Pa- like, put your money where your mouth is, is really the kind of mm-hmm. patriotism that you're espousing here, right? Which Correct. is like, you really want to be patriotic? then, then provide services to this audience who are going to love you and be loyal to you for life because they are built this way.
0: That's, I think that's spot on because again, another thing when Greg and I talked to me uh, initially is like, there are all these businesses that say, Oh, we support the troops. We support the troops. But like, what are you doing about it? What does that actually mean? And Greg's providing that platform to say, Hey, here's how you can do it. Um, you know, we're providing the method for you to do it.
1: Absolutely. And that's great.
0: Yeah, I mean, calling, calling the
2: businesses out that say, hey, we want to hire 10,000 vets, or hey, we want to hire 500 vets, and then kind of putting, asking them to put, like you said, the money where their mouth is and say, how are you doing that? What are you going to do to, to be able to execute that task and complete it? And that's when we kind of present to them this sexy packaged platform, and they kind of they go gaga over it can't believe I just said that, but Gaga. uh,
1: Gaga. um, It's so, you know, it is so masculine to use that word, Gaga. Um, So you're almost answering the second question, which is like, what is the singular thing that they get from you that they can't get anywhere else? Yeah. Yeah. And so what we've been talking about is like, this really is, you can make, you, you can put some real wood in the arrow of supporting the troops here. Like we can actually make that promise a reality for your business because we have the offerings, we have the audience, we have the analytics and the ROI unmatched by anything else. So like, what is the singular thing they get from us that you can't get anywhere else? There's no place else where it, you know the idea is like there's no place else that you can get this kind of access not only are you getting these great customers or potential employees or uh, you know fans for your brand but you're you're getting you're getting unmatched access to them because this is the gathering place for them we're bringing together we're bringing together and connecting sort of marketplace style the the people who the people who want this and this audience. So what is the singular thing that they get from you that they can't get anywhere else?
2: Yeah, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. It's giving them a tool that they that doesn't exist anywhere else. It's giving them untapped access to a direct pipeline of uh, customers and candidates.
1: Yep, exactly. And then the third thing, which is the getting laid part of this. So thinking <laughs> about that person, we've talked about, like, this is going to make you look really smart, And this is going to make you look innovative and, you know, sort of like you're on the cutting edge of this, but also, you know, patriotic. And it's going to demonstrate that you really put your money where your mouth is when it comes to getting to this audience. This is also going to make you a hero. And here – Here's the way we make you a hero. So answer the question of how do you make that ideal customer a hero in his or her own story? Like what's going to give them the feeling that they want to take a role in the hay when they get home from work that day?
2: I mean uh, I probably have to go back to the whole the, – like, again, the patriotic side of the house and being – yeah, uh, being the one with the idea that brings value, increased value to their company.
1: Yeah. I mean, the cool thing is like you can you you give that really smart marketing person within that organization the opportunity to like, you know, they come to the table in front in front of the boss and say, I just opened up a whole new market for us in one mm-hmm. fell swoop. Like, you know, it, it gives them swagger at their job. Right. Yep. Yeah. yeah,
2: absolutely. And that's the thing that we do pitch is the idea of being having um, having access to a direct audience that has been up until this point very elusive and hard to track and it's essentially saying hey here's an idea instead of marketing to everybody and it's kind of like what you're doing of here dial things down and figure out what the perfect candidate is we kind of fill that void for them and kind of say hey instead of you know zero customers that you have coming from a demographic there's 400,000 potential customers in Chicago that want to go to your burger bar or want to go to get their car fixed from your auto body shop why aren't you advertising to them why don't you want their business.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, you have the opportunity to go to folks and say, you are missing a huge opportunity, right? You know, what if I told you that there is a, a large audience of extremely brand loyal people just waiting there for you to make and deliver on promises to them and I show you a great connection to them that's going to make you feel smart and in control of your marketing dollars and et cetera, et cetera, right? You know, Absolutely. You, you have a whole story here.
0: And I got so, one more thing. Just let me throw one thing in there just at a macro level. I, I can tell you that as a as an everyday marketer, it's getting more and more difficult to reach your, uh, your audiences on the channels that everybody else is using. And one of the things that I'm starting to see crop up as a really intelligent strategy is to build media properties or find media properties. And that, this is why influencer marketing is so – Popular right now is that people are having trouble getting in front of specific niche audiences. And what you have built here is really you're somewhat on the cutting edge of that by building a captivated audience of a particular demographic that you can give businesses access to. And it happens to be a very desirable one. It's not like, you know, single moms who like tacos within 10 miles of the Space Needle. We're talking about like a very large audience. Um, That is highly desirable to be associated with both from an emotional perspective and also from just a a good press and PR standpoint. So, you know, at the macro level of what you're offering, you're also on the cutting edge of a new trend towards building media properties that gather a particular uh, and specific audience. Correct. Yeah,
2: absolutely.
1: Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what we just did and, and how you use this and what the next steps would be with this. So first of all, let me ask you, did you get value out of this?
2: Yeah, I feel smarter already. I've been taking notes.
1: (laughs) Okay, good. All right. So what are, I guess I'll ask, like, what are some of your takeaways from this that you think that you'll be able to use? And then we can talk a little bit about more, you know, maybe what are some of the things that you're not thinking about?
2: Um, the the biggest is the the tears. You know, is going through that because that really. I I mean, I've been thinking about stuff in my head this whole time, and then after you kind of went through these this tier thing, and then the three brand questions, it really made uh, things. It it's really it's really things are more dialed in now. I have a, a more of a clear path of a market strategy and how to talk to people, and it's only going to make me more valuable. Like I have I have not heard any nos yet from any businesses I have talked to. But someone's going to say no, and I'd rather wow people right off the bat rather than dealing with this extensively like long sales cycle. Um, I'd rather win people over a lot faster and get them excited in a larger way than I already am.
1: Right on. So the, that's exactly right. This process is really it, – it's about – Bringing you focus, it's more about what you're not going to do than what you are going to do. It prevents you from trying to be all things to all people. It also helps you scale. So as you grow, again, you're not going to be the only person who is going to be out there selling this. And I'm imagining that you're not going to just have, you know, maybe a sales force who's going to be calling on enterprises, but you're going to have some ser- small, uh, some self-service way eventually that small businesses will be able to just come onto the platform. That's going to require you to do marketing and get this message out there in a highly extensible way that isn't just Greg Jooms delivering the message himself, right? So that's, you know, doing this early and getting this clarity now helps you, it helps you with hiring decisions, it helps you with marketing language, it helps you in screening in the right kinds of customers, it helps you put a velvet rope around what you do by defining, like, these are our ideal customers, these are the customers that we want to do business with, and unless you meet this criteria, this part of our, or you are to to our ideal customer criteria then you know there's no business in us talking to you right it right. it really really helps with focus the the other thing that this that this can do for you is you can document this and and I like to borrow a methodology from somebody I really really admire who is Simon Sinek are you familiar with Simon Sinek
2: yep people don't buy what you sell it why they You buy why you do it, or something, right?
1: Yes, exactly. People don't buy what you do; they buy why you do it. And people buy things from people. And really, what Simon is talking about, you know, when he talks about sort of sustainable market leadership and sustainable, you know, business leadership, is is about this aligning of values, if you will, and tapping into, um, you know, the the. He talks a little bit about the brain science behind this, but like really tapping into giving people the feels. Well, I've now by facilitating this process with you, I have given you a bunch of tools that you can tap into the ability to market on the basis of your purpose and your passion versus the what you do. So, you know, when I first talked to you and we had like a little side call a couple of days ago when I was like, yeah, just give me the elevator pitch. I have to be honest. I kind of zoned out a little bit because you told me what you do, right? Mm -hmm. I've now given you the tools that you need to talk about why you do what you do first, how you do it, and then what you do, giving people permission to sort of buy into the purpose and, you know, kind of the 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 business and and industry and world-changing attributes of what you do, right? Yes. Um, so so you have that and you now have language for that. You also have – like if you've taken this and you've documented this, you probably have everything you need to write updated about us copy for your website,
0: mm-hmm.
1: sales pitch copy. Like if you take this and, and you look at it this way, you can write a sales pitch, which is like, here's a problem. Explain, this is the very first thing we did in our conversation. Here's the problem. You know, here's sort of an exposition of a problem. Here's a vision for what the world likes looks like when the problem is solved. Remember I asked you, when Victor is successful, every blank will be able to do blank. That's your vision, right? Mm-hmm. The, the third thing is, here's our unique solution to the problem. This is how we solve this problem, is by connecting businesses with this audience in this way, right? So that's, you know, that's how we're going to do it. Then you get to talk about what you do. So you have everything you need to have a revised sales pitch that tells the story first in an emotional and inspirational way and then gets down to business, right? Without, yes. you know, without glazing people over with the technical and functional benefits and and features of the brand. So those are some of the next things that you would do.
2: So yeah, question- I can't, um, right. yeah, I can Yeah, I don't know. It's a lot to digest. I've been like trying to write notes and listen, and then I'm like, all right, how many times do I have to listen to this podcast again after it airs so I can get all the content out of it? And shit, I'll probably have a bunch of
0: fucking questions then. Uh, we support but- this. That's gonna make our download numbers look amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, the
1: cool thing is that you have all of this. Generally, when 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 my company works with. Com- other companies on this, like we'll do this. What you know, this is something that takes place generally over the course of an entire day. You know, there's going to be like whiteboards and and we use big pads of sticky note paper and markers, and you know, every wall in the room is covered with the documentation of all this stuff. And then, it, like it, it, Rome wasn't built in a day. I mean, we just started this process right here. What we did right here was sort of a simulation of what takes place in a branding process, which really is, it, this is the climax. This is not the, you know, this, this is not the, the complete finishing of it. Right. I wanted everybody to finish, right. but truly, truly you, you finish when you've taken this and you've turned this into useful deliverables, but this is the, the middle part of what happens. Right. And then Uh you take it, you absorb it, you turn it into, you know, actual brand messaging and brand language and stuff like that. That's when you really finish. This is this is truly like the climax.
0: Nice dynamite. Well, uh, I got to let you guys in on a little secret. Uh, I actually only brought you both on so that we could do the branding exercise the whole time. We've just been doing it ourselves, watching you. <laughs> have you <do> really? <laughs> no, we, I, well, I mean, I have. Jeff I is have, taking furious I have, notes. I have a lot of notes. Um, but I, I, very much like Greg, I'm thinking, uh, how many times do I have to go through and listen to this to make sure that I get all the pieces? But but as we were going through it, like, I I, I was kind of. My mind was split between two different things. On the one hand, I was thinking about Greg and his business and trying to answer those questions for myself to kind of preempt it, see what I know about and, you know, just try and be part of that. But at the same time, I was like, well, shit, I have to answer this for True Voice Media because this is really interesting. (laughs) Like the bottom of the pyramid, like what's our kind of par for the course? Like what are our basic needs? What are our bells and whistles in the middle? And then, you know, so uh, it was uh, was very cool. uh,
2: Luckily for our listeners, we'll have – show notes that you can sort of go along with that help you
0: guide this process. So hopefully that'll be helpful for for you, Jeff, and you too, Greg. (laughs) Yeah. So there's going to be plenty for people to download in the show notes for this. Um, I want to personally thank you both for coming on. I know this was one of our longer episodes, way more in depth. This was a full on masterclass. And I want to thank you both for setting aside the time. Greg, thank you for coming on and, and being a willing participant in examining your brand <laughs> so that we could pick it apart, kind of come up with new messaging for it, but also hopefully to let people know that you exist uh, out in the world because I think what you're doing is is really sexy and really cool. So thank you. And then, Deb, thank you for coming back um, and and continuing to be my podcast wife. Um, and, and just bringing all of the, the funk and the noise that you bring, uh, with your brand dominatrix is, is, um, is, you. So, Thank you. So, so glad to
1: be here. And I, and I also think what Greg is doing is really, really amazing. I'm really excited for you and I can't wait to see what you can achieve.
0: Thank you so much, Deb.
2: Awesome. All right, Hold I have on.
0: A... Hold on one second. All right, there we go. Yeah, (laughs) right now, though, we want to let uh, Caroline say a few words. Uh, Thank you for all for being here, and then our our nifty new outro. Yeah, we're going to close out the show all together. Um, So where can the people find you guys online? We can start with you, Greg.
2: Uh, You can find us at victorapp, V-I-C-T-O-R-A-P-P dot I-O, or on Facebook or Twitter at the handles at Tech Inc. Awesome, and people should go do that, and you too, Deb.
1: So, I would love for people to find me either at soulmarketing dot com. Or you can go to my book site, which is BrandingIsSex.com. And buy my book because this methodology that we went through is covered in great detail. And these exercises are covered in great detail within the book. So uh, if you don't want to listen to this podcast again and again and again and again, which I, I don't mind if you do. But if you get tired of hearing my voice, I sometimes get tired of hearing my own voice. Uh, you can read all this stuff in the book. And then you can also find me on Twitter at Deb, D-E-B underscore soul. And I would love to hear from you guys.
2: Yeah, she's out there. She's tweeting. It's
0: true. You'll see us tweeting each other. <laughs> uh, well, thank you both for coming on. I sincerely appreciate it. And uh, we hope that uh, we'll have Deb back, I'm sure, at some point because y- you're never getting rid of me.
2: You too, Greg. And
0: uh, and Greg, I'll you know, Greg. We, will, uh, we will be staying in touch uh, forever yes. and ever and ever. <laughs> I hope so. All right. Awesome. Well, listeners, hope you got a lot out of this. Uh, I think this episode was deep. It was intense. It was a master class. It was quite sexy. Yeah, definitely sexy. And um, what's another word we could use to describe this? Let's go through the brand pyramid. Uh, Caroline, what do you think we should call it?
1: I'm going to say it was pretty shareable.
0: Ooh, (laughs) That was cute.
1: (laughs) You guys are totes adorbs. There are a few thank yous and shout outs in order. First, I'd like to thank Ray Bueno for all of that sexy production value and a quick thank you to me for producing the show. I'd like to send a shout out to DJ Quads for the use of our theme song Always and A. Hamitsu for the use of our outro song Adventures. You can follow Jeff on Twitter at jgibbard and you can follow me at Caroline carolinesone. You can follow the show at shareable and just at shareable podcast on everything else. That means Facebook, Instagram, everything. You can email us at shareablepodcast at gmail.com or subscribe to our email list at shareablepodcast.com slash subscribe. Do all the things. Subscribe to the show. Leave us a rating. Review us on
2: iTunes. Tell a friend. Tell your mom. I don't know. She might like it.